Hey, Running Scared listeners, this is Robert Lendrum. We've got a special episode for you today, originally intended to be just for our supporters on Patreon. We've decided to put it on the feed. Today, we're dropping the long-awaited Anaconda recast. This might be one of the funniest apps we've done. And yes, we realize that of our, like what, 11 episodes, five of them are dedicated to the film Anaconda. But we had such a blast doing this one, we had to share it. Uh, Jamie took his role as a casting agent very seriously. Uh, me, not so much. <laughs> in fact, as a hint to where I took it, Jamie recorded a whole song in his garden shed, and <laughs> and we, which you'll find at the very end of the app. And it's silly, it's stupid, it's hopefully it's entertaining, just like the film Anaconda. And it's not a bad uh, Black Sabbath spoof. Um, if you would like more fun content like this, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And if you're really digging us, check out Slasher Mode. You'll get all the perks on our, of our top tier loyalty program at a discounted price. And you always get that top level stuff no matter what changes or uh, what new things we add. So plus you will get the exclusive apps like this one without this preamble. And you never know, we might, we might pull this off the feed after a while so that only our supporters on Patreon can hear it. Uh, and just for a heads up, we've got our third Jogcast, concluding the Helen Hamilton story coming out real soon. We're reviewing some great horror films like Hereditary, The Descent, and some not-so-great ones like Fright Night, uh, plus more. So enjoy our recast of the cult classic Anaconda. Who will Jamie and I pick to play the nefarious uh, Paul Cerrone? Stick around and find out on Running Scared. <laughs> Don't make me out a monster. I didn't eat the Captain Mateo. Hi, my name is Jamie Roberts. And I'm Robert Lendrum. And welcome to the Running Scared Podcast. The podcast where we review the films that had you running away, but coming back for more. What's going on, Rob? How are you doing today? I'm good, buddy. Set up in the new house. Hey, nice, man. It only took, how long were those painters in there for? Oh, fuck. Let's not mention painters. I didn't tell my parents about that. They're going to be like, you spent money on painters? <laughs> like, so, But yeah, we're in. I mean, there's still boxes everywhere, but we're in the house now. And uh, I'm in Hamilton. I'm, I'm making my home here. Oh, welcome. Eh? I had my first, uh, I had a rundown. I wanted to check the distance from my house to your house. And it was 5.6 kilometers to your house and 5.6 back. Although I went a little bit of a different way. So it was like 12 kilometers all told. Wanted to come by and check it out. Um, I think I was even listening to a little bit of our Jogcast. Perfect so time. Haven't... 5.6 <laughs> is almost exact. I think I may have Googled it so that when we wrote our pa- our Jogcast that we actually had the exact distance. And it was perfect because we wanted to do our first Jogcast and make it a, like, um, you know, something you could jog with. And 5K was kind of what we aimed for, for that intro. So that kind of makes perfect sense. I mean, it's probably a little too short, but we're, you know, we're working on it. We're going to have two and three out soon. For you, those of you on the Patreon, and hey, if you're listening to this, that means you're also a Patreon member who is subscribed because this is the Anaconda Recast. And we've been Ooh. talking about this for a while, Jamie. Um, obviously, fans who have been, uh, you know, following our, subscribing to our podcast know that we love Anaconda. We spent four episodes on it just to start the damn thing, <laughs> which might have been a little silly, but we were having fun. And also, you know, getting our feet wet in the whole game of podcasting. And, uh, you know, we're always still tweaking and changing this thing as we go and trying to adapt and, you know, seeing what works, what doesn't and experimenting and having fun. So this is another one of those experiments. We're going to just try to, like, come up with what we think would be a new cast for Anaconda the movie. Oh, and like how many times have we thought about 
who would we like to see in that role? And I'm even sure that the listeners out there have, have been watching something and be like, oh, you know, that actor or that actress isn't quite working. I wonder who we could, you know, perhaps slot into that character. Could we find someone that maybe could bring that character to life a little bit more? So, you know, we've done that. The interesting thing with this one is that I know we love the cast. We yeah. think the cast we think the cast was great, and that's what was just fun to go through it. And our premise today is such that uh, I've selected my recast. Rob has selected his recast, and we're going to bring it together. We're just going to kind of go yeah, through it. Yeah, and we I don't think, know what each other... No, I don't, we don't I have know. no idea what you're doing, and I've, you have yeah. no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, it's completely... It's Yeah, exactly. It's completely anonymous. Like, exactly. We don't know what uh, each person is going to bring to the table. It will be very interesting to see if in the whole, you know, pool of actors and actresses, if we've selected the same actor actress for one of the characters. I, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Let's let's see if it does. How do you want to start this off, Rob? Do you want do you want to just start off the same way we did the mock draft and start off with uh, perhaps the uh, most secondary characters and then build our way up to Sarone? Or did you have another idea in mind? I actually think you should go and do yours first because I, I got something kind of weird planned for you that I'm not oh telling God. you about. And uh, I'd love to hear yours. And uh, you know, obviously we'll banter, but uh, I'd love to hear yours, and then uh, that'll tee up mine. Okay. So I decided that I wanted to um, sort of indiscriminately look at who I thought would be good in that role. And I use my Anaconda uh, assessment criteria profile. Okay. So I'm going to be going on the base of, of these pieces of assessment criteria. So the first one is the diversity of portfolio uh, that has to include either uh, some horror or the same kind of well, I guess the horror, the same kind of genre, uh, the same kind of role. Okay. So that means who I'm going to be placing into this spot has had to have kind of done the same kind of role from the character from the movie or has had to experience in the horror genre. Okay. Second one is a similar acting style. Now, when we think about Anaconda and we think about from Westridge and his arrogance and we think about to uh, J-Lo and her, her kind of quiet... Uh, strength. And then we thought, talk to, you know, Paul Cerrone and his over the topness. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring that into my recast. And then also was my gut check. I love movies and I love all different kinds of uh, genres of films. And I really sort of, you know, scoured all of them. And, and I tried to pick two or three and then juxtapose them together and really try to pin down one that I thought would be a good uh, person for the recast. So, question so for you, can I ask you a question here, James? Of course, yeah. Are you operating as if this is the same script and you're updating it to the year 2021, or are you essentially like, like, are you? I'm, I'm, I'm a plug and play. So I'm basically what I tried to do is I tried to find an actor actress that would fit into the 1997, um, like with a similar age, a similar character profile, with the same script, and also to try to make it as symbiotic of a cast as possible. So I tried to think about, um, and that's why diversity of portfolio was an important piece of assessment criteria for me because I wanted the recast actor to come in and be able to have experience working with many different actors and actresses and then to come into this, this, this cast as well. I also thought about, um, you know, sort of what stage of the acting career the actress or actor was in where, you know, 
we think about Jennifer Lopez as one of her first main roles, right? So I took that into consideration about who I was going to slot into it. It was a lot of thought, you know, into... Who... <laughs> yeah, you really did. It sounds like you really thought about this. Exactly. I'm like a little bit like, oh, what shit, I take... mine's going to be like a if total... I take... I take two days off work to do this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start now. Um, okay, so the first one is... I'm going to start off with uh, Danny Trejo. He's the poacher. And Danny Trejo has a lot of presence just with his his face, his facial expressions, and he doesn't say much, but his presence is really strong. So I was looking to recast someone that I had watched on screen that had a lot of presence without saying much. So I'm going to go totally off the board and I'm recasting Danny Trejo, who's really only in it in the first scene and then in a picture with Tom Vlashia from the Game of Thrones. Who are you? Do you know who that is? No, which character from Game of Thrones? I'd have so to Google he, it. He is the the House of a Thousand Faces, or he is the um, uh, Jacqueline Hagar. You said there was no Jack and Hagar here. There isn't. A man is not Jack and Hagar. Well, who are you then? No one. So he's like the assassin. Oh, who trains uh, yeah, Arya. Yeah, who trains Arya Stark. And I thought to myself that it was an interesting, an interesting pick, but he says a lot with his face, and he, you know, if I think about just the way his uh, his his physical appearance is, he's, you know, he's got long hair, kind of like, you know, he's tanned like Danny Trejo, kind of sweaty as well, and I could just <laughs> see him in that. I could see him just in that first scene. You know, he doesn't necessarily have the tattoos, uh, and he's. I think Danny Trejo is. I think he's American. But uh, I definitely, I don't know, I just, of all the actors and actresses I thought, I thought, you know what, this guy would be, would be really interesting to, 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 to put into that role. I'm not sure you have a whole lot to say about that because the Trejo's role is so small, but I could, I could see him playing that role. He might be okay. too big or too good of an actor, but then I looked at Danny Trejo, uh, his IMBD, and Danny Trejo's done a lot of movies oh God, you know, just yeah. because he was in this just because he was in this movie and had a smaller role doesn't mean that you know that wasn't sort of the uh you know the totality of his acting chops no yeah he act, was right? he, danny was early in his career there but he goes on to make 300 there's an imdb like uh video clip you can find where they just talked to him about a bunch of the movies he's been in because he's been in over like 300 films and uh he's become that iconic kind of character so he's a very tricky one to recast so I, it's an interesting choice i i think it's actually maybe smart to go off the board because <laughs> If you're taking, if you're going to replace Danny Trejo with someone, you might not want to just slide in another celebrity. Like you kind of need someone who's more actor, like got a stronger acting chops. Yeah, uh, and, interesting and, choice too. I think that guy. Uh, you know, I only know him really from Game of Thrones. I don't know what else he's been in, but he's he uh, was in. Uh, he was in. Shout out to Michael Yukota here. He was in the Das Boot uh, TV oh. series. Oh, the yeah, TV he's, series. So he, yeah, because he's a German actor, right? And if anybody hasn't seen Das Boot, it is the quintessential submarine movie mm-hmm. many people point to the hunt to red hunt for red october baldwin and connery which is fantastic das boot is amazing so he was in the tv series again german actor so we slotted him in for uh for trail all right who's next? okay okay now it gets interesting right <laughs> rob if i were to say to you what what are the three movies in my top three movies of or the, or the what are the top three movies that i love of all time oh my god you you totally pulled someone from perfect storm didn't you you're a goddamn swordboat captain is there anything better in the world 
fucking wonder why you love that movie so much, but okay, let's okay. hear it. Okay, so Mateo. So he's he's uh, the captain. He's on the boat. He's got long hair, you know. <laughs> so I am I am recasting him with William Fitchner. Do you know who William Fitchner is? No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> William Fitchner is is Sully from A Perfect Storm. You know why this lasagna weighs 20 pounds? It's like it's doing a shot put. So here's my case for Sully, okay? So he's got the physical profile. Um, you know, he, he he actually even looks really similar. If you look at Mateo and you look at the actor and then you look at Fitchner with longer hair and Sully from A Perfect Storm, they look similar. And I think the biggest thing of all is they both have experience working on a boat. You know, that's the one of the things is that Sully was working on the fishing boat in that movie and is really comfortable in that acting environment, right? Now, Mateo very often... Well, he's only in two places. He's at the wheel or he's in the water. And that's where Fitchner is, right? Remember, Fitchner jumps in after uh, the gentleman who gets hooked because they're on a fishing boat and, and, and Sully's the first one in. So I recast Mateo with William Fitchner. I think he would seamlessly look perfect at the helm or helm, bow, steering wheel, uh, going down the Amazon basin. You know what I mean? He's got the tour of duty bandana. He's got the long hair. He's got the greasy hair. He's got the good tan going on. And he's, he's the first one to get killed. First one to get, oh, he's perfect. First, first person to get killed. Uh, and also, uh, he, uh, Mateo was a more slender, taller character. Fitchner fits that bill as well. So I'm going to go with, uh, William Fitchner in right. for Mateo. Okay, cool. Okay. Who's next? Uh, let's go to, okay. So, um, Ice Cube, Danny. Mm, this is a tough one. I had a hard time with this one. I, I was on Martin Lawrence for far too long, and I realized that I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Like, I'm trying to think Martin Lawrence from Bad Boys maybe is the closest to like a guy who's kind of tough, but like he's still comedic in that movie. So I'm like, what the hell would he? Michael Lowry, Michael Lowry. <laughs> okay. So I went, okay, so... I'm trying to imagine him saying there's snakes in there this big. So diversity of acting profile was tough. You know, he had done John Singleton's Boys in the Hood in, in 94. It's like one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up. Uh, but Cube hadn't done a whole lot. I don't know, he done Friday, I think, in 95. So I went with someone who had been in a similar, another movie that I loved, had been in a similar role, a similar role, um... It was in a movie called uh, Judgment Night. And if anybody knows Judgment Night, that's what Dennis Leary takes place in the suburbs of Chicago. It's got Cuba Gooding Jr., Emilio Estevez. It's a friggin' great movie. And I'd actually, I think it could find its way onto a running scared pod one day. I went with Eric Schrode. Do you know who that is? <laughs> no. Are you going to do this every time where I got to like, get out of the Google? Like, who? Who? AKA House of Pain. What? <laughs> Everlasting House of Pain. You're recasting Ice Cube as a white guy? Well, I, I don't think I needed to be restricted by, by race. No, no, it doesn't. I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised. That's all. Oh, yeah. No, no. So, okay. So Ice Cube goes out and Everlast from House of Pain comes in. And he, here's, here's, here's my case for it. Okay. So Ice Cube's early on in his acting career and was absolutely like a more established uh, 
actor um, than than Eric Schrode at that time. Um, but Eric Schrode had done some work as well. They also take the role of, we talked about this when we did the podcast, where take the role of enforcer, a little bit of kind of like the stronger character that's yeah, not taking any I can of see like it. I, when I th- yeah, when I think of someone who who's going to step into that role, they need to be able to stand up to Paul Cerrone and his antics, right? Eric Schrode definitely can do that. When we think about him in the mo- in the movie Judgment Night, he plays one of the henchmen that that Dennis Leary has, and he's like a tough sob. So I think he would he would go perfectly. And if you think about, you know, somebody might say, "Oh, that guy didn't." Ha-. He had like one line in Judgment Night. I think his one line was "motherfucker." I think that was his. <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> so you, you were like, "But that's all I need." I could see the acting in that one line, but. But here's the parallel I'm going to draw. If I think about his music career and how he um, rediscovered, re, re, retransitioned, um, reinvented himself from House of Pain hip hop artist to like more of like a singer songwriter, Everlast solo act. I feel like there's that shows growth in him as a person and as a, and as a creative maker, right? Hmm. As a creative person. Did so he I do feel, any more acting though? Did he continue on to act? Because I yeah, he was in he was in some other movies. I think he might have been in Four Brothers. I could be wrong there. I might be wrong. But if you look at his at his credits, absolutely there was more down the road. So it didn't it didn't just stop with Judgment Night. Okay. He did he absolutely did more acting. I just think that you know you think about him as musical career and and he shows growth. He shows ability. Why not in his acting career? So for Ice Cube, I'm putting in. Eric Schrode, a.k.a. Everlast, a.k.a. House of Pain. Are you, are you okay with that? <laughs> I am, I am, but I am, I am struggling with the, uh, with the idea of replacing a cube with, with someone. I had a really hard time taking it, like, figure out who would replace cube. So that's, a, oh. that's an interesting choice. Okay, Carrie Werher, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on. <sighs> Carrie Werher, to me, was... I guess I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the term because I don't want to offend anybody, but kind of has that girl next door sex appeal to her where it's not like this buxom blonde that's on a boat, right? Not like Pam Anderson kind of sex appeal, but she definitely, when we talked about this in the pod, she definitely fills that role where she's appointed, she's a little bit of a point of desire and she kind of fills that, that need within the film, within that script horror movies have that in the construct so she she is that character but not overly so right Mm -hmm. uh and then she's also the love interest with owen wilson so i had to think about who am i recasting for owen wilson and is that love interest going to work right i had to think of that as a pair too so i thought about that so i went with uh i went with linda cardellini you know what i'm so sick of this shit i'm not doing it okay linda cardellini was in the series Bloodlines, and if anybody's seen the the, uh, the series Bloodlines, uh, it follows a family from Florida that has a coastal or down in the Florida Keys. They have a they have a, a resort, I guess, right? And the dad is, I guess, quite wealthy, and uh, he's got one, two. I think he's got four children with uh, Megan Rayburn who's played by Linda Cardellini being the only female, right? And the three brothers, one of them is train wreck. One of them's like the sheriff. The other one kind of works on the docks. It's an interesting dynamic, but one of the first scenes is her kind of being really sexy and uh, with, with, I think it's a real estate agent in the neighborhood. And she's, 
you know, she's making out with him in the backseat of the car. And it just was erotic, but not over the top. And then she sort of, at least in this one, she, she kind of fits the profile. She's got, she's got darker hair. She's quite pretty, not, um, not overly so, but sign but sort of like that girl next door, good looking. And I think she would fit that role nice. And also Carrie Werher had some acting chops, some, some lines that were spoken, you know, there was the performance while, I don't know, hence do we call it one note? You, that was one of the terms you used. Um, I, I said that. <laughs> I don't remember calling it, was it one note. Was it was it one note with uh, with Owen Wilson or with with uh, with Cardellini? No, no, Either no. Or. I don't recall saying Carrie where his performance was one note, but I do remember saying like her freak out when Owen dies was a pretty uh, great scene for her acting because she she does the scream queen thing in that scene, so she she has to let out a big one there. And uh, Linda Cardellini, yeah, I mean, she was in Scooby Doo, so uh, she's yeah. done horror movies before. She was in Legally Blonde. Yeah, she's. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, For but sure. she actually she is in some recent horror movies too, like uh, The Curse of La Lorna. Yeah, oh, she's nice. in yeah La Llorona. La Llorona. She, she was in that, and then she again she had she she filled. Listen, she filled in Bloodline. She filled the same kind of nuanced. Um, I don't want to say sex symbol. But she filled that same role that Carrie were her, uh, you know, fills in Anaconda. And I, I think th- she's a more subtle actress, uh, actor May- too. I don't think she would be yeah. as, like maybe where her was a little over the top, whereas I don't think she would be. So that's it's an interesting good one, too, because I think, yeah, she she would pull it back and that character would become a little more realistic. The only thing is you got to remember, too, do you see her because you got to remember Carrie where her kind of falls apart throughout the movie. She her her, you know, she unravels. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, that's a perfect point, which just leads me to my, le- my, my last piece here. So absolutely. So you need to see, you know, she's falling apart. So then you need to see a little bit more diversity in the acting performance, right? So Cardellini does that, especially in the Bloodline series where it's, it's the slow de-evolution of the family, the destruction of the family, but over a long period of time. Uh, they kind of just descend into chaos and madness, and Cardellini kind of follows that. She has a mental break in the in the film, and her performance, while well, the beginning was kind of sexy and happy and fun and playful, really changes almost 180 degrees to the second and third season, where she's really paranoid, she's anxious, she's not sure what even the idea of like right and wrong is. Uh, she's questioning everybody around her. That ties into actually, you know. Uh, were her performance in this right where she just sort of remember where she kind of looks at uh, Gary and she doesn't even know who she's looking at anymore um Cardellini has that same look to her brother who ends up I don't want to have any you know there's going to be spoilers in here but like her brother kills somebody in bloodlines and then she looks at him the same way that were her looked at Gary like who are you what have you become right in front of my eyes so I think if you I think if she would have had the script I think she actually may have been able to do more with it than were her but um, for me, Cardellini just fits perfectly in, in, into that into that role with the opportunity to make it even more than it was. Nice. Okay. What do you got right. next? Okay. So, so that so that so that tell, brings us to Owen Wilson because who's going to play off of her? Okay. Who this is you there? Gary, you're going to love this, Rob. You're going to love this. I'm recasting Owen Wilson with Steve Zahn. Oh, come on. 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 Hey, come on. Come on. 
Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, all right, come on. I'm Googling everybody that you are putting out okay. there today. So, so Steve's on, right? Steve's on uh, was in Sahara, okay? Steve's on has had many, many, many acting credits. He's 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 been in a whole bunch of different stuff. Oh, from like I know Mr. you're talking now. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, He does right? a lot of comedy. He's in Mr. A lot of comedy. Yeah. But in recent years, he has really kind of expanded the type of roles that he's willing to take, right? He's moved into some thriller. He's moved into some, like, murder. Uh, he's done some adventure. But really, at the essence of who we think of when, when we think of Steve Zahn, right? is kind of like this goofy sidekick character, right? I think of one of the most well-known films just because he played alongside uh, Matthew McConaughey and Sahara is, you know, he's got the blonde hair, he's got the blue eyes. I, I felt like certain characters perhaps maybe needed to, just because they had maybe, um, I don't know, was I thinking about physical appearance on all the characters? No, some of them, again, I went back to like my, my gut check to see what would work. I thought Steve Zahn would absolutely be perfect because he's kind of goofy. He's got that, you know, that's that Southern California kind of vibe. I could see him holding a boom mic. No, I totally dig this one. Actually, the more yeah. I think about it, you're right. He he plays that Owen Wilson goofy character, but mm. when it's time to to switch over and and be a little bit, you know, and that sinister side of Gary pops in because he gets seduced by Paul Cerrone. You're right. This is an actor that could actually handle that and maybe make it more convincing because that was one of the things we struggled with was uh, not necessarily when Wilson's performance, maybe it was in the writing too, but just that, that, that the flip gets switched. The switch gets flipped so quickly with Owen Wilson that you're like, wait a minute, now you're a horrible guy. What happened there? Yeah. Like this guy's all about going off and like two teenagers in the night, you know, like just sneaking off behind the parents cabin, you know, and like. Next thing you know, he's got the assault rifle. He's standing guard for Paul. Like, it just didn't make any, a lot of sense. And there wasn't a whole lot of, when I think back to when we potted it, like, you know, there was no transition. There was no run-up. There was no lead-up. It was just, like, very night and day. Like, again, like, flipping a switch, right? Didn't make a lot of sense. Zahn, I feel like, is a better actor, mm-hmm. yet it, yet embodies a lot of what Owen Wilson brings to the table, but also can can do more. That's my one thing. Like, I love Wedding Crashers. I love... I love those films that Owen Wilson has been in, right? Yeah, he was good in Loki too, which just came out on on Disney. I haven't seen it yet. He, he yeah. was in that. Yeah, he's in it. He's really good. So he's got some ability, right? Hmm. I, I don't know. I I felt like he, you know he was in that role. He played it well. We can critique it all the way, uh, but for me, Steve's on. Nice. Uh, that's good. That's good. I like that one a lot. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> I I try. I wish we could do like a, like Photoshop these guys into the clothing, and then <laughs> if we put the podcast on YouTube, we could always add some visuals. Oh my god, it'd be funny. Okay, so then but this I've is got... for Patreon, so we can't no, do that. Can't let know, these know, motherfuckers know, have it for free. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're getting to the main course, Rob. Well, wait, are you going to do? Is the main course including Westridge? Because that's oh yeah, that's yeah. where main, I go next. The main course is J Lo, Westridge, Stolz, and Sarone. Okay. All right, let's go main course. Let's go with, let's go Westridge, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's an arrogant British prick, and he needs to be replaced or needs to be recast with an arrogant British prick. 
So I'm putting in and I'm recasting Hugh Laurie into that role. Pardon me, just Googling a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the... I, <laughs> did I go? Did I go too obscure? This is some. This is some deep weeds we're in here. Okay, what's this guy's name again? Mike Lowry. <laughs> Mike Lowry. What was Kyle it? Kyle Lowry to the Sixers. Uh, for all the for all the Philly fans out there, no, Kyle Lowry staying in Toronto. Anyways, no, his it, Hugh Laurie. I'm gonna make my case for Hugh Laurie. So Hugh Laurie was was really made famous in North American audiences as oh, okay. uh, portraying House, the yeah. doctor, right? In, okay. the, in the hit, I think it was ABC or NBC. But here's the thing. I'm not pulling from that. You know what I'm pulling from? I'm pulling from an amazing miniseries that he, that he was in called The Night Manager. Rob, have you seen The Night Manager? No. Well, here's a here's a here's a Loki connection for you, okay? So Tom Hiddlestone plays the night manager, right? He plays uh, this this night manager at a Egyptian uh, high end Egyptian hotel in in Cairo, and it's the story of him trying to infiltrate a global arms dealer and the head of this this company that is like a, a shell company. The head of this company, this this like shell company, is uh, that traffics arms globally, is Hugh Laurie, and within this role, well, he's he's a British actor, so check for Westridge. He has, he's always wearing like a shirt that is three buttons kind of unbuttoned, similar to what Westridge has, and he wears, even though he doesn't have that those kind of like Havana hats on all the time, he does throw it on at times because it takes place like he's living in Mallorca, right, which is uh, like in and around Spain. So he's just got that kind of European feel, which Westridge, and he's British, but he just kind of carries himself like that. And he's very, very, in this Night Manager series, he's very arrogant. War a spectator sport. We are emperors of Rome, Andrew. Blood and steel. The only elements that ever meant anything. In House, he's very arrogant. He just has that air of uh, kind of I know best. <laughs> like, like, like you said, hold my wine. Get me some... What, what was that one part? Was he drinking champagne first thing? The oh, yeah. Take my bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see him being that. The only thing is he's also... I think he's very tall, is he not? He's much more physically imposing than. So that's the thing, right? That's the thing. You know what I mean? Like my original, my original thought was to throw in Patrick Stewart, but then I thought <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that because Patrick Stewart comedically is like when he's being funny is very funny, and I can oh, totally he's, he's, imagine that. Oh, Patrick Stewart would be good. The only problem is, is that Patrick Stewart is just you know if we go back to '97, Patrick Stewart was like in his heyday of next gen. But he was like in his mid fifties, you know. I think a little bit too old. I I, I envisioned Westridge to be kind of maybe his mid forties, and I think Hugh Laurie in ninety seven. Maybe he's a little bit younger, uh, but still kind of I think sort of fits within the framework of that of that uh, age bracket, that age range. So I went with I went with Hugh Laurie, and maybe a little bit off the board, but I just thought that to me actually that was one of the easier ones to cast. I thought about what Westridge brings. And then I thought, okay, what's another, like there's so many British actors that kind of just do the same thing. Hugh Laurie's probably the better actor, but anyways, I threw Hugh Laurie in there. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to go to, 
Okay. Stephen I'm going to go to Stephen Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Yeah, Stoltz. Okay, Eric okay Stoltz. good. Okay, you're going to... Rob, Rob, best you're, you're going to love this one. Okay. Okay. I am recasting Eric Stoltz with Bradley Whitford. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, hold on. I'm checking. Who is this fucker? No, trust me. You're going to know. Okay. Uh, so yeah. this is the guy from... Uh, this is... He was in... Uh, uh, the uh, the West Wing, West Wing, oh yeah, yeah. and he was in, of course, um, uh, what's the mo- the horror movie that we like, Cabin Ca- in the Cabin Woods, Cabin in the Woods, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you have Eric Stoltz, mm-hmm. so you need someone who's arrogant but who's not physically imposing. We need to win, and I mean win. We need to take a curtain call and a victory lap, and that's how we get momentum. We get it by being tough. We give away nothing. Because part of the domination, part of that coercion of power by Cerrone is is met or he's able to do it because there's a, there's a, uh, an asymmetry between Cerrone and Stoltz. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's real. Do you see that there? Cause I definitely, absolutely. Yeah. So I, my first thought was like Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser is a big fucking dude. Okay. And Brendan Fraser, I just don't think makes, I think it's too, it's non-believable. Right. So I think Bradley Whitford. Now here's my case. So Stoltz has a little playful attitude, but has some arrogance. You know, Whitford has been in a lot of different stuff. He's a film and TV actor. He's been in Billy Madison. He plays kind of like the the mean kind of arrogant business guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's been in Cabin of the Woods, so he fits the bill uh, working in the horror genre. In fact, he plays one of the, I guess, one of the scientists, you would call it. Yeah. Or one of the, one of the keepers of the... The, the ritual yeah so so to me that kind of aligns nicely with uh what stoltz is is like he's the professor the the explorer the scientist uh they have a similar f- uh physique profile you know and I, I think um even mostly when i saw uh, whitford and his performance in handmaid's tale because he was in there i think like season three or four he just stoltz has this confidence this arrogance that really kind of putter along side by side his his whole performance and then we talk about he's in it for 15 minutes and then he's 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 done and then he comes back at the end he's exactly he's incapacitated and i feel like whitford could could handle that plus uh we can we can line up the ages and at that time 1997 you know stoltz was like a big actor top of his game sort of on the ascension same thing with whitford right i don't know when the west wing was i think it was late 90s um, or maybe it started like mid to late nineties, but it would have kind of synced up around when Anaconda was going on. But yeah, I think I it was early two thousands or was it, was it two thousands? Okay. 2001, so I think actually, if I'm looking right. Yeah. But in that time, okay. and I believe, I think you're right. Whitford is like whip smart. Like his characters are often, you know, they speak quickly. They have, their dialogue is very smart. Um, he, and he delivers it with such like. Uh, precision oh, all, that yeah, makes all perfect this. sense i think that's another good casting call and i think you're right like that idea that you know he's going to have to play off this guy who's going to try to dominate him more in a physical way or in, a, in other ways he would be able to uh resist him with his intelligence at least in those opening scenes where the physical threat is not there yet and uh the only thing i'm going to ask you here and i can't wait to hear you cast j-lo because remember now bradley whitford has got to be the guy that j-lo's in love with yeah, or the I, character that you're recasting as JLo is in love with. Okay, I'm gonna give you that in a second, but I but I think you made a really good point about being able to outsmart. It's exactly it's exactly what Whitford does as he as he uh, plays the role Commander Lawrence in in uh, Handmaid's Tale. He all he does is outsmart people. 
with this arrogance about him. And he's how he's able to have power. He loses power and he's able to gain it back. Very similar into the story arc of what happens in Anaconda. So I went Bradley Whitford on that one. Okay, so this is... You got this, J-Lo and Paul Cerrone left. I, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the journey that I took here. Okay. I was really hung up on, and listen, whoever's listening to this, uh, thank you for, for, you know, subscribing to our Patreon and being a part of it. But like, I was really hung up on casting a Latin actress mm-hmm. in this role, but I didn't because I, I thought Jennifer Esposito would, would fit nicely. And then I, and then I thought Eva Mendez. You know, and I, I don't know, I just for somehow got caught. And then I, I realized that, like, maybe I needed to expand who would fit into this role. So I needed someone who sort of fit her physique profile, who I could see on a boat uh, going down the Amazon, who had a little bit of toughness with her. Because J-Lo's tough. J-Lo's from New York, right? Like, she's like kind of, not to say everybody from New York is tough, but like New Yorkers, you know, Rob, we've been to New York a few times, right? They're a different breed down there. <laughs> so she needed, yeah, they are like, she needed to have a little bit of toughness, a little bit diverse. Uh, she needed to be at the same kind of, uh, point in her acting career. She needed, you know, young upstart that really wanted to deliver performance. She needed to be able to sell smart, powerful, sexy, all those things together. Rob, do you want to hear who I cast? I do. <laughs> I cast in Carrie Washington into this role. There we go again. <laughs> I don't know you'd be Googling every everybody. You well, don't have to Google. I, I got to know who we're talking about. <laughs> you don't have to Google the next person that I, I hope not. Carrie Washington. Know. Okay. So Carrie Washington. Right? Oh, absolutely. But wait. Okay. So Carrie Washington though. I mean, yes, she's, how old is she there? She's only 20. Like what was she doing at that time? I mean, I, the way you seem to be casting is people are, were acting at the time where, were you know, were among the okay, acting I, world at the time. Was she there then? Like, yeah, she was. 44 she was. now. Okay, she's 44 now. So, yeah, she would have been, uh, so 97, 2017. So, yeah, she would have been in her 20s. So maybe a little bit young. I didn't make that the deciding factor. Okay, I see. I see. Remember, okay. I, I, let me just go back. Cri- criteria, right? So diversity of portfolio and then with connection to the um, the role or the genre. And then I went like an acting style and then with a gut check. So here's my case for her. So yeah, she she would be great. I mean, she's an incredible, incredible she, actor. She's an incredible actress. And but but at that point, she's just getting started. I can see Carrie Washington with her hair pulled back in like, you know, um, a khaki cutoff shirt on the Amazon, not overacting, letting the role come to her. I see her as someone who's a very powerful actress, someone who, you know, because J-Lo, there's a couple of moments where there's some playful um, romance, right, between her and Whitford just at the beginning there. Right. I could definitely see and then I got, <laughs> I'm still now I'm trying to put this together. The, like the, the Whitford Washington connection. I'm like, mm, I can't quite see it, but maybe it could work. I don't know. I think it could work. Right. You've you Whitford a haircut. You know what I mean? Like he didn't, yeah, yeah, he didn't lose his hair till, till later on. Um, and then you think about, so she's in the horror genre. So she was in a movie uh, called Dead Girl. So she's, you know, which is like a thriller horror film, rated R. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's got a little bit of, um, uh, she's got a little bit of experience there. Plus her her toughness, right, comes from her role. Uh, what was that movie she was in with uh, Julia Stiles? Uh, Steps is no joke. Uh, what was okay. that? Um, bring know. It On? No, not Bring It On. Um, Save the Last Dance. 
Derek's about something. He's smart, he's motivated, he's for real. He's not just gonna make some babies and not take care of them or run the streets messing up his life. He's gonna make something of himself. And here you come white, so you gotta be right. And you take one of the few decent men we have left after jail, drugs, and drive-by. That is what Nikki meant about you up in our world. So she was in Save the Last Dance. So she plays the sister of, of the kid who he's kind of like, He's got some friends that are in some bad stuff, and then he's got this girl he likes to dance. Anyway, so she's kind of tough. She 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 plays a stronger role. So for me, I thought I you know, is there is there a real is there a real recast for J Lo? J Lo was like perfect in that role. Her her just the trajectory, the point of trajectory of where she was acting, I thought it was really hard. I put in Carrie Washington. Just because this was mostly gut check, right? Like, Rob, I'm a teacher, right? So I get to use professional judgment when I'm giving out grades to students. And we, we base it on their work. We base it on, um, you know, the, the, what, what they've presented. But oftentimes, if, if, a, if a kid has come to the table and just worked their butts off and just really tried, then they're going to be rewarded for that effort, right? Right? We don't. We all have different starting places, right? So for this one, for me, my gut just said Kerry Washington would have been perfect in there, and like her and Whitford, I don't know, man. They had to have one kiss or one. That's it, right? But that's what I say. <laughs> Anyways, I'm playing that scene out in my head now. Okay, man. Okay. Here we go. The big okay, here one. We go, I gotta baby. hear it. Here we go. Who is here Paul Cerrone going to be okay, played? Paul by? Cerrone is Eric Motherfucking Roberts. Googling Eric Roberts. You have to Google Eric Roberts. Is this guy in your family? Is that why you're? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to Google Eric Roberts. I don't. He's he's definitely. As soon as you see him, you know who it is. But I, I don't. Okay, this is Eric Roberts. Yeah. When you when okay, first off, you need a character actor. You need a guy who's a big actor. <laughs> the star of like, star. Sorry, I just IMD beat him. He is the star of the movie <laughs> Stalked by My Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, man? Happened to this guy? He's been in some amazing shit and some really bad shit. Oh, like he's okay. L- let me make my case for Eric Roberts, okay? Eric Roberts out there is Julia Roberts's younger uh, brother. Is he really? I didn't yeah. even know that. Oh fuck yeah, they're, yeah, man. They're brother and sister. Julia Roberts has an impeccable career, clean image. She's like never in the tabloids. And Eric Roberts, exact opposite, man. So this guy has had hard life. He said. Um, you know, good for him. He's gotten sober, but he's had some uh, some drug issues, and he was like blackballed by I think certain directors a certain period of time. He's done a ton of like he's been a working actor. He's got tons of credits. He's done some some of my favorite stuff and fucking best of the best. You know what I mean? Where he's on the American Karate Team and they go and they battle the Koreans. I'm gonna kick your ass. It's amazing stuff, right? Uh, he also did a sequel to Stalked by My Doctor called <laughs> Stalked by My Doctor Patience Revenge. <laughs> so, exactly what? So, oh but, my, yeah, no, man, I, I, I see it in the face. Like, he's been in some big stuff. You're right. He's been okay, in so, some huge, huge movies. Okay, so Eric Roberts, he's over the top. Yeah. He's a, okay, so he's a method act, uh, a method character actor. Because you think about, um, like, he's in the Expendables. Um, he's, you know, he was in best of the best. Uh, he was in, well, I'll get to that in a second, but he's been just in a lot. He was, he played the, 
mobster in the Christopher Nolan Batman Begins series. Yeah, it was the second one, Dark Knight. Second one, Dark yeah. Knight, right? So he's, he's, he's done... the one in the limo with Two Face. Exactly. And uh, Two Face uh, rolls the car over and kills him. But yeah, he's 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 a bad guy in that movie. He's a he's a fucking bad guy. He's a villain. He's a bad guy. Okay, so he's got f- great physical prowess. Yeah. Like when you look at that face, can't you just see a guy like that? You could just put a scar on his face and you could see him just in the wilderness hunting. Yeah. No, it's yeah, a, for sure. Yeah. Okay. He also he's got experience. He's got experience hunting. You know why, Rob? He was in a movie called The Hunting Season. <laughs> <laughs> he's also been in a movie called Raptor, which uh, so he's w- worked with reptiles too, CGI reptiles. <laughs> you know, I couldn't. I was. It was a toss-up of him between like him and Mickey Rourke. And, oh wow, that's a cool choice too. Yeah, and the reason I was looking for gruff dudes because Paul Cerrone, like he's a mm-hmm. he's a Paraguayan snake hunter. You know what I mean? Like th- these are, these are guys that are like, these are like macho dudes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When they do stuff like this and they need to be physically, mentally, um, overpowering and, you know, Eric Roberts for me, it, literally, I think he could do just an amazing, amazing job. Uh, and the only thing with Eric Roberts is that Paul Cerrone cast into this role would have been a bit older. Like I think John Voight, when, uh, Anaconda came out in 97, like he was easily 50 years old, right? Yeah, but and how important is it? I guess the, the only importance of his age to me is that we know that he has, we know that he moved to the Amazon from the, uh, from his time before at the parish. So like he's gone through some things. <laughs> Sorry. But how much time does Did that you take? you say the parish? Yeah, wasn't he? He was a, Sorry. what? It just made me think of the eulogy that he provides. That's for what I'm saying. He, he, he was going to be a priest, right? Isn't that the parish? Is that what you go to? Maybe failed. I got that wrong. Failed priest? I didn't fail. Who says I failed? <laughs> um, actually, you know, I'm looking at Eric Roberts here on Google Image, and uh, with his long hair, yeah, man, he's he's a good. That's a really good casting choice. Best of the, look at best of the best, man. Like he he's very, he's like, you know, when Paul or, uh, when Sarone does like the spinning back kick takedown, <laughs> that's what that's what Roberts did, man. He was uh, Alex Grady. That was his name. He was Alex Grady in Best of the Best. And I think one of his moves was a spinning takedown. If you actually, I would love to split screen that shit. <laughs> well, that was 1989. So yeah, he, he's, uh, he would have been at least in his thirties by the time Anaconda comes out. He's born in 56. So okay, 97, 56. he's 31, right? Yeah. So or 31. 41. He's 41. 41. Okay. So 41. That, yeah, that's, he, that's, that's not easy. bad. Okay. Did you, do, so let's, let's do this, Rob. Now I'm going to, I'm going to recap I'm going to recap my, um, my, my recast. Okay. Mm-hmm. My recast. I want you to give, like, be honest, right? Because often we agree. I want us to, I want us to not agree today. <laughs> Don't worry a, about that. <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me a, so how many are there? So there's one, two, there's nine. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So give me a score out of nine who you think work in your eyes. Okay. All right. So, uh, Danny Trejo was, was, um, Tom Vlashia, the German actor. Um, Mateo was William Fitchner, Sully from A Perfect Storm. Uh, Ice Cube was Eric Schrode, a.k.a. Everlast, a.k.a. House of Pain. Carrie Werher was Linda Cardellini from Bloodlines. Owen Wilson was Steve Zahn from Sahara. Um, Jennifer Lopez uh, was recast as, uh, uh, sorry, Eric Stoltz first. Eric Stoltz was Bradley Whitford. 
from West Wing and Handmaid's Tale, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Jennifer Lopez was Carrie Washington uh, from Save the Last Dance, uh, from, from a bunch of different stuff, right? And who am I missing? Westridge was Hugh Laurie mm-hmm. from The Night Manager. Mm-hmm. And then finally, John Voight, Paul Cerrone, our favorite, uh, was recast with Eric Roberts. So that's nine, Rob. So nine. what do you what are you giving me out of a score out of nine? I'm gonna give you a six out of nine. Oh shit. Okay, yeah. which ones didn't you like? Okay, so I'm 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 very happy with your Paul Cerrone choice. I love your Terry Flores choice for for uh, uh, taking over for J Lo. Um, I'm even gonna give you the Danny Rich, uh, that being Ice Cube's character being Everlast, even though I had some reservations about that. Your, your Gary Dixon choice, he's uh, excellent. Steve Zahn is fantastic. Um, and I think your choice for Denise Kahlberg is also very good. I got to tell you, my issues, I bump up against your choice for Westridge. I think okay. I think he's too tall and too menacing if he wants to be, to be Westridge. Westridge should be more slight or just like easier pushover from a visual. Like visually, you should look at him and say, I'm not intimidated by that man. I don't like that guy. Okay. That guy is tall and freakishly large, and I and I don't I'd be scared of him. Uh, so he doesn't quite fit the profile in my mind. Um, your Stephen Kale choice, I think, is a great actor choice. I just don't buy that he would be a love interest to uh, Carrie Washington. <laughs> okay. uh, your Matteo choice, I think, you are um, a little bit looking through your rose-colored glasses of your love for a perfect storm. So I'm not sure about that one. Oh, you didn't like Fitchner? Uh, and then the last one, well, who is it? The Poacher? Um, yeah, I'll give you that one. That one I'm more, though, I don't really know. So I'm like, okay. yeah, I remember that guy, but I don't know how good he'd be in that role. So he's actually on the verge. So I'm almost willing to go down to five out of nine on you. Ooh, okay, whatever. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah. So so I get five footsteps out of nine, right? <laughs> oh, are we doing it out of nine? Okay, we're, doing, we're changing our rating system today. Instead of best of five footsteps, it is out of nine. All right, Jamie. Well, I went in a very, very different direction than you did. I decided that Anaconda should be recast with a contemporary cast. So we're looking at actors of today, first part. And then the other major change I made here is I've decided that this version of Anaconda, although the story is very much the same, probably a lot of the dialogue would be the same, it's going to be a musical. So let's start from the top. We'll go with number nine, our poacher, the unnamed poacher. We need someone who can sing a short ballad that sets up the fear of the snake and then immediately erases themselves from the story. I'm casting as the unnamed poacher, Adam Sandler. (laughs) I just see him singing a ballad about snakes. That would be hilarious. Uh, That would set up the idea that he's about to be eaten alive. And then he would just give up and fade into the uh, into darkness. I'm almost uh, imagining this on a stage. I'm not sure. I haven't decided. This this makes me think of Saturday Night Live when we were watching this as kids, and he would come on as the singing opera guy, right? Yeah, yeah and he, would, exactly. he would like, <laughs> yeah, like he'd be talking about Eddie Vedder, and then he'd be talking about George Bush, or would he be talking like, and then he'd be talking about something and something in pop culture with Beverly Hills 902. Yeah, but he's doing all, it all in opera. 
these little like soliloquies that he would bring in musical form, a little short recitative and, oh yeah, you know what? I like that. I think that works. Sandler, you know what? I think nowhere else in this fucking planet will you, would anybody recast Adam Sandler with Danny Trejo and be able to put them together. But (laughs) in your new musical construct, Rob, you have created an environment where that is possible. And I think we're we're, we're setting up right away that this is going to be more of a comedy than maybe what you uh, had originally, what what Anaconda was meant to be. So we're definitely driving down a very particular lane here. Okay. I like that. The other thing is I just keep thinking of Adam Sandler's mouth when he sings. He always does that weird grimace. It just (laughs) makes me laugh. So moving on to Mateo. Okay. Mateo. So Mateo decided to do a little bit of uh, um, someone who's like almost overqualified so that they would be almost like a more uh, impactful death. I'm going to cast Adam Driver. Can you please stop yelling me? You're starting to stress me out. From the new Star Wars movies who plays... uh, What's the the bad guy's name in the new Star Wars movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. Adam Driver. No, this guy's good. Yeah, from Girls, from uh, from that movie with uh, Scarlett Johansson. This guy was in... um... So this guy was in Black Klansman too, eh? Did yes. you watch that? Yes, I did. Yeah, that was really good. So this, yeah, this guy, you know, interesting. He, I feel like this would be this would be a, sh- a shame to see this guy die right away, because this guy is, you know, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the picture right now, and he's absolutely got the physical, like the the you know the physical metrics, right? He's got the measurables. That, that I could see him on top of the boat. <laughs> like, <laughs> he kind of has that, you know, he's leafy. He's kind of long. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's got the dark features, right? Like you could see him like, you know, a little bit, uh, put him in the sun for a couple of days, get the hair going. Absolutely. Yeah. Could this guy sing? No, but I, you know, I could see, I could see Adam Driver. Adam Driver is a really, really, you know, one thing that I could see a connection between the two is like, do we know if Mateo is an understated actor or if he just really is not that good at acting? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I also imagine but Adam, Dri- Adam Driver is absolutely in his performances. If you watch most of them, especially in Black Klansman and even in, I thought his, a lot of his, a lot of the scenes in, in the Star Wars, like, like even in those tense ones, it's, it seems subdued. It seems that it, he's not over the top at all. He does frustrated is, very well, and I think yeah. Star Wars gave him very little to work with, so he was very much the frustrated, frustrated teenager kind of character. And uh, this, I think that would actually translate to Mateo sometimes because he would be like kind of biting his tongue sometimes. Uh, and I also think he's going to be complimenting Paul Sarone. So if he is singing, it's probably just like a line here or there within <laughs> Paul Sarone's song. So uh, I not, think he can handle it. Not to go off on too much of a tangent, but were you not a fan of the new Star Wars? Um, with, yeah. it, with him? No, didn't love him. <clears throat> didn't love him, no. Okay, I digress. There's, um, there's a million reasons we could talk about that. That would go on forever, though. All right, so, so who should I jump to next? Um, I did Danny Rich next. Right. Ice Cube. Okay, so you're going to have some singing. I had a l- like. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't. I had such a hard time with this one because partly, A, I decided it was a musical, and I was like, well, why wouldn't you just keep Cube? Because Cube would be perfect, you know? Why not? Why not? Why diverse, like, change from that? So I think I know who you're going to put in here. Do you? I, I mean, he doesn't fit the physicality, though, and he doesn't fit the enforcer role as well. So, but I okay. did decide someone who I knew could act, also could handle the music. And can I, can I guess? Yeah, sure. Jamie Foxx. Oh, no. <laughs> that's not bad, though. No, I thought <laughs> contemporary to get the, the, the a name from from today. Uh, to change it up would be Donald Glover. <laughs> Donald Glover. Okay, okay. 
All right. He's not as big. I know I, you're thinking, I know you really see Cube as the enforcer, but I also just saw him as like, cameraman could be more of an artist type and Donald Glover really play can play that. He's also just a great actor. I thought he'd just be a good contemporary update, but I'm already thinking about it, like, damn, do I need someone bigger? Because who is going to stand up to Paul Cerrone? That's a very good question. You, one thing I will actually take issue with and to kind of make the case for you is that physical and presence, like Danny, like Cube in the movie, it's more, I don't know, it's a lot of bark and not a lot of bite, right? right. Like eventually, <laughs> he get, eventually he gets in there, but like this guy's not a specimen, okay? No, it's Gan- true. Gambino is actually like pretty fit, you know? So this guy, like most stars today well maybe most stars ever right like if you're famous you're taking care of your body i think a lot of them uh so he's actually pretty fit i think he would i think he could fill the role i you know i I, his videos have always been interesting creative uh he'd probably bring if you're especially in the musical sense i like this i like this selection because i think you know you've got a you've got a true artist here that i think could make this role make this role really good has this guy done any acting though Ooh. Gambino? Yeah, he's got his own TV show. He's been in Community. He's a comedian. And that, and that oh, one that's right. Comedy. That's where I've seen him. Community. All right, okay, I got He's you. in Atlanta. He was in the new Star Wars, yeah. uh, the spinoff for Han Solo. He plays, um, what's his name? Uh, Lando Calrissian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah well, he's everywhere right. now. That's the okay, thing. Okay. Like, he's a legit, excellent actor. Like, double threat. Totally double threat. Triple, Triple threat. threat. Yeah. <laughs> he can do it all. Head of my time online, Masai, who spit so much fire that you a goddamn lie if you saying hi. Numbers don't lie. Niggas do though when they say it ain't cold. Niggas need to learn cold. Man, I'm sick with the Python. Motherfucker, I'm ill. Okay, so who's next? Uh, let's do the, the pair, right? All right. We'll do Denise Kahlberg and Gary Dixon. So I decided to flip things around this time. Being a, a, an update of, the, of today's time, you I made just, her the boom mic operator, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I flipped it. So instead of instead of uh, Denise Kahlberg being played by a woman who's like you know the hot sex bod, like you know sex pod of the movie, I'd change it to Dennis Kahlberg, and Dennis oh, okay, will okay. be played by Channing Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and he's like always wearing crop tops and his muscles are all gleaming and he's like okay yeah that's good magic mic style he can dance <laughs> his magic mic and then and then ogling him all the time will be the sound operator who I decided to like not not this is not a knock at all on her because I, I love this actor and I think she's beautiful and hilarious Kristen Wiig mama like I could definitely my gut feeling is just like she could be that older female that could be like the ogler of a of a younger man yeah what was she in she was in something she's been in movies where she actually has she's acted that role plus she's a really gifted actress yeah she's more than a comedian i think she's much more than a comedian in fact i don't even think like i know she is a comedian but i think of her as more way more than just a comedic actress i think that's an interesting i like you know i was like rob where are you going with this? Man? <laughs> characters, and like, you know, that's, that's gimmicky. However, your, your choices, I think back up th- that gimmick of switching it. I like those two. The only thing is Channing Tatum, you know, we know we can sing a little bit. Um, Kristen Wiig, can she sing a little bit? She's, is she, has she done mm. any kind of musical stuff? Probably Most just on these- SNL. Probably the only thing she's sung. You know, Can I get a, please, just a big glass of 
But yeah. the other thing I was thinking was she has to switch and betray her her friends, right? And because she is Gary, so she would be, uh, we're going to call her Sherry. Oh, but she's, yeah, like she absolutely could, I could see her doing that because she is a pretty diverse, uh, she's got, she's got many faces. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see her. Um, well, she was delivering. In new... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I could just definitely see her delivering a performance where, you know, she's kind of like that happy-go-lucky, and then all of a sudden, she's under the spell of we don't know the yet-to-be-announced Paul Cerrone. That's going to be interesting for me. So, Rob, I'm just telling you right now, the connection between this new Gary and Paul Cerrone is going to be really interesting to see if you get the marks for those two ones. But I like mm. where you're going with it. So my other thought with Kristen Wiig, I mean, she was in the new St- uh, Wonder Woman where she does do that transformation. It's very much of a ripoff of Catwoman from Batman Returns. But there is this like transition from like this nerdy character to this like, you know, minx, sexy cat lady um, and she, you know, becomes more villainous and evil. So yeah. although that movie doesn't really, uh, you know, it's not the greatest or anything. So point being, she's done something like that before. It's not necessarily um, a great film, but, you know, she she knows how to do that transition. OK, yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. I like the, the two changes. I like the two actor uh, choices. In fact, I'll wait until we're done, but I could actually see one of those um, selections, maybe even slot into another character choice. But anyways, okay, okay go on. So we're getting to the Those end here. Good. So let's go straight to our one of the guys we love is Warren Westridge. And uh, based, you were critical of mine, Rob. You were very critical of mine. Hugh Laurie, I thought was a good choice, but mm-hmm. so you better bring it here. Okay? I'm going in a different direction. You so that there's a very different uh, pl- like you know uh, tone I'm going for here. But based on his acting in the movie Youth and Revolt, I'm choosing Michael Sarah me an asshole i get a note in my trailer saying you're not down to earth enough and it's been going on for a long time and and it's not one person it's everyone i'm not gonna i'm not gonna come okay uh behavioral issues are the least of my fucking problems so is this is okay so honestly i'm looking at the face and i know and i've seen some of like i've seen some of his work you're going to have to make the case for me on this guy. Rob, go ahead. Well, Michael Sarah is slight. He is not physically imposing. Uh, this is the guy from Superbad, by the way, if you're really trying to narrow, if you can't picture Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where I know him from. Yeah. Um, he, in the movie Youth and Revolt, he plays a twin version. He plays himself and, or he plays a character and then a, a twin of himself in that movie. And the okay. twin is almost, I think it's in his mind, but he's like this totally pompous, cigarette smoking, uh, mustachioed um, playboy and who's giving him like love advice. And he's t- such a dick, <laughs> but it's so funny coming from this skinny little twerp that it's like, it's super funny. So I think Michael Sarah can pull this off because it'd be so fun for him. He would revel in this, in this role. Okay. You didn't, you didn't select a British actor. No, I did not. No. Interesting. Now, no. Did, did you consider that at the beginning and then changed it afterwards? No, I consider that if he is putting, if it's, he would put on an accent probably most likely. And, and I'm totally okay with it not being great. Because um, <laughs> okay. I'm really casting this as more for its comedic uh, comedic moments. All right, Jamie, we're down to the final three. Nice. Dr. Stephen Kale, Terry Flores, and Paul Cerrone. Okay, sounds good. All right, so I really struggled with Dr. Stephen Kale. I had two two ideas here. But one of them I thought skewed a little too old, so I went to someone a little younger. So I'm going to cast... Eric Stoltz, who played Dr. Stephen Kale, I am going to now cast him as Ed Sheeran. 
<laughs> oh my god. Can't you just see him with like an acoustic guitar, like Ed serenading Ed Sheeran? <laughs> just serenading Terry on the boat. Well, you got the you got two things working for you. He's the musical dude and he's a ginger. So you And know, he's out early. He doesn't have to act that long because he's gonna be he's gonna go underwater. Yeah, because the... at, he's like a, he's a minor. Is he, how old is Ed Sheeran? I guess if no, we're not if ninety seven. He is put he's older now. He's not that okay. young. Okay, let me okay. Okay, make your case for Ed Sheeran. Well, just he's a musical genius, of course. Um and I just see him as being like that smart but not necessarily physically imposing character who uh also could could somehow win over a beautiful lady with his musical talent. And uh I really see him singing the song that like that like gets them going down the river, like the, when when remember when like that that, that that like here we go that like that song that you identified in the in the in the soundtrack where they start going down the river. It's very positive. It's that like um, what's the name of the guy who did Star Wars? That um, John was, Williams. Yeah, you said you said it sounded like a John Williams song as they start pouring down the river towards like their destination. or like Hans Zimmer or something. Yeah, but it was like yeah. a, it was an optimistic like you know ballad. I can see. Ed Sheeran doing like his version of like a pirate song as you know a cheerful pirate song boat song as they head down the river to begin the movie I was 24 years old when I met the woman I would call my own 22 grandkids now going home the house that your brother bought you hey! okay 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 I got you I think in a, okay in a, music, in a musical context I think it could work here's my issue with Ed Sheeran Ed Sheeran to me is too affable he's <laughs> I, he's too much you know like you know there's guys that are always the friend you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. to the girl i feel like ed sheeran is always the friend you know there's like yeah, I see I, that. I, he may have he may like Steve, uh kale like here's a man that displayed conviction and you saw that just in his performance and how he interacted with the female characters sarone and just his subordinates uh subordinates around him and Ed Sheeran while able to sing his way down a down you know on a boat going down a river I feel like <laughs> yeah. lacks maybe the a little bit of the killer instinct yeah maybe yeah. a little bit of the leadership you know like a little bit he's he's undeniably uh a smart man uh you know he's got a great career going for himself so even if he brought that but what, do you have anything else? Any other? You know, any other... it's funny. I was debating him or Conan O'Brien, but then I felt like, nah, that's going too far down that that's a very specific path. I can com- almost believe comedy. Conan O'Brien more. <laughs> well, Conan O'Brien also <laughs> used to hit on his uh, his. Uh, he used to hit on the guests on his show, and it was supposed to be funny. But there's definitely been reports that it got a little creepy at times because they yeah. weren't always in on the joke. They didn't know that this was a stick that he did, where he would like position himself as this like fanboy who in no way would ever have a chance with these women. Cause he even did a whole skit where he would visit them in their homes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Did you remember? I think it I was, remember that. Uh, yeah. Who is, uh, who's the woman from, uh, X-Men, um, Famke Jensen, Famke Jensen. And she like rejects him and she's like, get out of <laughs> here. Like, like my husband's my here. <laughs> and he like, doesn't like, she doesn't know he's doing this joke and he's making this video, but like, she doesn't I don't I, I'm wondering if she caught on and just played along or or if she was actually surprised yeah like I think Conan like I try to picture like just just you know conduct this exercise right close your eyes all the listeners right now just close your eyes mm-hmm. and just picture 
the the boat and just picture fucking Ed Sheeran. (laughs) 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 I just, you know, the scene I keep thinking of is Ed Sheeran uh, or Conan. I think Ed Sheeran. You know, talking about the uh, the little glow bugs with uh, <laughs> with uh, Terry Flores. And Maybe Ed Sheeran could be it, like out of nowhere. He just pulls an acoustic guitar, like not even from the boat side, from the from the air side of the boat, and it just yeah. comes out of nowhere. And he just like brings like, it on boat and starts playing. You could cast Ed Sheeran as like, remember the guy that took our recycling from the cottage we rented. Up <laughs> <in>? <laughs> That is very specific for our listeners out there. You might have to explain this one. It's, we rented a cottage a while ago. All my friends, Aaron and I, way up in Sudbury. like Or not on, on its way to Sudbury. It's like far. And it, like, Bob owned like the whole compound. And uh, we, we, you know, there was like 15 of us up there in northern Ontario. I guess we consider it northern Ontario. But anyways, up north. And there was this this kid Brandon that would come around and pick up a recycling every night at at like ten o'clock, and he was like it was like a summer student hired, and it was just weird because he would just roll up in his little dinghy boat and come in to take a recycling back, <laughs> and like he would be like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" You know, it's like just humming a tune, and I'm like, "Ed Sheeran, we can cast him in that role." I don't know if we cast him as Stephen Kale, but anyways, well, part of the thing I loved about Stephen Kale was I just always could not in my brain understand how him and JLo would get together. And the only thing I can like lean on is that creepy part in the movie where it kind of insinuates that he might've been her professor at university. Okay, okay. And like, I was always like, that's the dynamic I was sort of playing on. Like, wow, how does this guy get this girl? So well, let's tell okay, you I, who would, I was going to say, let's find out who Terry Flores yeah. is to find out if this Ed Sheeran line of thinking is just totally outlandish or if it's woven together somehow. Now, remember, I'm trying to do a musical here and I need a big headliner to handle the female role. She's the, oh she, my God. remember JLo was the star of this film. She was top bill. Yeah. So I, I need was someone, she, top, she was top bill. Eh? She was a top bill of that film. And I need someone big caliber who can handle music. Who's got that attitude, that New York toughness that you talked about. Yeah. I'm going with Cardi B. I said certified freak. Seven days a week. Okay, okay, I got you. Cardi B. I think that's... I would love to see Cardi B, like, pulled back a little bit from her persona, and, and then it slowly reveals itself as it gets closer to the end, as the as the songs get bigger, and as she, like, takes out Paul Cerrone and then the snakes. I think it would be hilarious to see her, like go through that voyage and then the idea of Cardi B being serenaded by Ed Sheeran is hilarious to me. So <laughs> that was part of the reason I created that dynamic in my head. This would be a great S we talked about SNL. This would be a great SNL skit. Like you could just recast it with these you could have with these people. one of these on as like the host and then like one of them's the musical guest, one of them's the host and then they recreate this. So it would be good. Yeah. Cardi B. Okay, Cardi B she definitely has got the New York toughness. She definitely has got, I think, some amazing musical chops. Uh, I I don't know. Has she acted? Like, I'm sure. She like, was I, in J-Lo's movie, Hustlers. Okay, so I didn't, I don't know if but I saw But as far as I know, that it. might be her. The only credit? might be her only credit. I'd, I'd have to IMDb it, but she was in it. And it's a pretty small, it's a cameo role. I think I, I'm open to, I'm open to her in that role. And Because and I'm thinking about, like, listen. We want to think about the cast as an ensemble, not just mm-hmm. individuals. So I'm thinking if I kind of like sort of pull back the lens a little bit, I could see how Cardi B could kind of slot into 
the, the overall cast. I like that. I like that choice. I, I was like considering choice. I was considering Nicki Minaj, but I thought maybe I'm only doing that because of the fact she did the song Anaconda. So I had to kind of like second second guess myself on that one. Yeah, and think, you know what? I'm just looking Nicki's maybe at... got more potential for the storytelling in her music, but Cardi is uh, an excellent MC as well. So. Yeah, and Cardi B also like her her kind of um, her point in her trajectory, her, her her where she is in her artistry, in her career, I think syncs up somewhat nicely with where J Lo was. J Lo was like, you know, a few years in. Cardi B, she's been around, you know, a while, but not ten years. So I think yeah. that, that and kind she's of, a superstar in music. Yeah, it, can she transfer to to uh, the big screen? Oh, okay, I like that. I like that one. Now. Who's your Sarone? Because you got to tie it all together now with Sarone because yeah. there's got to be like Cardi B's going to have to get off. Like, and remember, you know. I think I'm setting a certain tone here that's very, you know, it's musical, but it's it's a bit more funny. Like I'm definitely trying to do it a little more humorously. So yeah, yeah, yeah. who can do Paul Sarone? And, and then I try, I'm thinking to myself, what kind of music would accompany Paul Sarone? And it's got to be heavy metal. So I picked Jack Black. Bad voice is fucking Okay, that's not too bad, actually. <laughs> I'm like waiting for you to respond. You're like, hmm. <laughs> okay, Jack Black. Jack Black has those crazy eyes. He has that look. Like, just think of the first scene when we meet oh, yeah, Paul Stone. Yeah, he jumps off yeah. the, uh, the barge and lands on the boat with his claws, <laughs> his teeth showing. Jack Black does that when he's drinking coffee. Like, he just has that manacle face all the time. And I thought, man, a guy who could, and he's played uh, almost a similar role, maybe not exactly similar, but he's played a role of a guy obsessed with something that killed him in King Kong. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was the director of the film trying to get this uh, footage of King Kong for a movie he wanted to make. And it, you know, essentially it's his downfall is the fact that he's like, you know, he's pursuing this to all ends and uh, and, similar kind of idea. And, He's got a perfect role where he deceived. Remember where he deceived the bunch of kids and the parents in School of Rock? <laughs> Very deceptive, yeah. He's he's got he's got some chops and deception. Well, and the music. Just think of Actually, you know what? If if okay, so I'm trying to I'm trying to every time you say it, I'm trying to look through the lens and, and through the framework of a musical. I think Jack Black is is absolutely perfect because you're not gonna like I think he would embody because he's also a character actor, a character actor as well. I think he could embody what Paul Cerrone be completely different character. He definitely has, I think, the ability to embody the whole spirit of that character. I feel like if Jack Jack Black is in the movie, you got to have Kyle in there somewhere. Could you find? A... <laughs> is he the guy who brings the the bags down for Westridge? <laughs> <laughs> the only other actor okay. we we never recast is I think you got to have one part of Tenacious D in there. You got to have the other one. Jack Black, I, I really like. And I think that he works as like the villain, but comedic, but can act. And I think Paul Cerrone, absolutely. Hunter, Snake Hunter, Heavy Metal, like makes me think Sepultura, South American, <laughs> Doom Rock. You know I keep I mean? thinking cue of the, the, Cue the Sepultura drop right now. I also keep thinking of the comedy of the moment where he kills Channing Tatum. 
when he jumps up and locks his legs around Dennis Kulberg's <laughs> neck and then kills him. <laughs> like the fact that Channing Tatum won't be able to get him off, even though he's like twice his size and built I was like a say, brick Channing Tatum's huge. That'd be a good. That'd be a good battle there. Oh, Jack Black, I like that. I definitely. That's. What do you think his song would be called for? Like when we meet Paul Sarone. Oh my God, I have no idea. The. I don't know. I don't know. Did you have any ideas? I, I, the song title I was kicking in my head was The Serpent Inside Us. The Serpent. Because <laughs> at the end of the movie, he is inside of a serpent. He is inside of a serpent. Oh, man. Jack Black. You that forgot- song would be amazing, by the way. The ending of the movie when he's getting consumed by the snake. <laughs> you've got, Rob, you've got an like an insanely eclectic cast here. I feel like your first selections were sort of like you got more adventurous eh? as you as you went to the like it's just kind of go big or go home the more the more the more importance of the role you 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 went big it was hard because i i think exactly what you're saying like i started off with like some i had like nicholas cage perhaps as paul sarong yeah, yeah, yeah. You sort of contemporary just choices, right? Yeah, well, I also thought he's kind of comedic because if, you ever, if you've ever seen, uh, like, Bad Lieutenant um, New Orleans, is that what it's called? Bad Lieutenant well, Bad New Lieutenant Orleans. was with Keitel, I think, No, right? no, no, but there was a sequel directed by Werner Herzog starring Nicolas Cage. It's called Bad Lieutenant New Orleans, I believe. Oh it's also God. got Exhibit in the movie. <laughs> Shit, what year was that? Oh, uh, no, I remember seeing that. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking yeah. horrible. And yeah. Nicolas Cage, it's it's like, I don't know what happened. Maybe Nicolas Cage just realized how bad the movie was, and he decided, I'm going to go bonkers. And it's about a lieutenant who, like, you know, gets into the drug trade and loses yeah. his mind and goes far. Nicolas Cage plays this so over the top. There's definitely clips on YouTube you can go find. <laughs> it is so funny. And I thought about that, and I was like, eh, that's maybe too inside cut in the sense that, like, People might think I'm trying to cast him as a serious actor. And then and then when I start thinking about the musical idea, I was like, well, yeah, you can't have Nicolas Cage. I can't imagine him singing. So, you know, Nick Cage. OK, I know why you didn't pick him for the musical. I actually the more I think about it for him slotted in as the role in like the contemporary recast, my style recast or even just the movie. Because if you think about some of the films he's in, Con, like, well, maybe not so much Con Air, but like Face Off, like he plays really eccentric characters. Yeah, he's got a really diverse uh, you know, set of movies that he's been in. He's been in some thrillers, some some dramas, some action. He could he could handle that. He'd be interesting as Sarone. I love Nick Cage in the sense that, like, when you look at his IMDb, there's so many bad, horrible movies, and then also some totally incredible movies. Yeah, he, why is he so polarizing as an actor? Well, because he's been like he's been in some bad ones, like The Bees, The Bees. <laughs> like, come on, there's some shit movies. And Lord of in, War. Like, I can't remember that one, but like he's also been in like um, Leaving Las Vegas, and yeah. like you know he's done some great films, and then some totally ridiculous stinker Hollywood garbage type films. Raising Arizona, I think he was in. Like yeah. some, you know, he's been acting since the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's been around a long time. He's part of the Coppola web of yeah. People. But his musical and, skills, that's why his his musical ability is what uh, cost him the role in this one. But so. he's like, a, I think he's like a huge Elvis fan. Yes, he is. Like he, he married Priscilla Presley, right? Or, or mm-hmm. no, um, the daughter. Mm-hmm. So I think he's, anyways. Okay. Can you run them down for me again? So, I want to give you, I want to give you a score here, Rob. All right. So out of nine, starting with the unnamed poacher, Adam Sandler for a cameo off the top of the movie. Okay. Matteo played by Adam Driver. Warren Westridge, played by Michael Cera. Uh, Dr. Stephen Kale, played by Ed Sheeran. 
Dennis Kahlberg, played by Channing Tatum. Get, uh, Sherry Dixon, instead of Gary Dixon, played by Kristen Wiig. Terry Flores. Oh, sorry, I'll do uh, Danny Rich, formerly Ice Cube, now played by Donald Glover. Terry Flores, played by Cardi B. And Paul Cerrone, Jack Black. Okay. So I'm going to go with... Uh, okay, so th- the first one... Um, which you got the poetry, you got Adam Sandler. I like the premise of it. I'm not sure Adam Sandler brings, even in a musical role, I'm not sure he brings just the sheer physical intimidation that's required in that role because I, I think not not even physical intimidation, but just the effect that he has of his body language, right? Adam Sandler, I think those little short little like uh, songs that he would do fit nicely. But what Danny Trejo presents just with his whole physical makeup I think still needs to be retained in the musical version. I'm not quite sure mm. Adam Sandler does that. I, I kind of saw Sandler dressed as Danny Trejo, but I see what you're saying. It would be, it was a comedic move, but uh, maybe too much too soon. Yeah. Mateo. So Adam Driver. So, you know, interesting. When when you first said it, I, I thought Adam Sandler was good and Driver, I was going to take a pass. I've actually flipped it. Mateo, you know, is, even though he's the first to die, he still kind of plays an, an important role. He, he's in there for a reason, right? And, you know, just some of the looks that he gives, very understated to know that he's uh, in cahoots with Paul Cerrone. You know, from an acting sense, Driver does that, right? It's, and, I, and I'm bringing it back to his performance in Black Klansman because I did think it was really understated, but really strong. Listen, he's too good of an actor to die first. Um, <laughs> but you know, from girls and from Star Wars. And I think if he could sing just a little bit, he could he could make it happen. I like the physical profile with Mateo. I, li- I like Driver. I'm giving you one footstep right there. Next on to Donald Glover. I thought this was, I thought this was interesting. In fact, I think you were a little bit, not hesitant saying he doesn't have the physical characteristic. I think it's a brilliant pick in a musical because you take somebody who's an artist, someone who's got a good diverse acting profile, not sure... Uh, he's done a ton in the horror genre, but I think that Childish Gambino, you know, he's a creative guy. I think he could make this character his own and make it, make make it original, right? Yeah, I think, and remember Ice Cube or or Danny Rich, the character makes it all the way to the end of the movie, so we need someone pretty strong to get us all the way through. Yeah, and this and this guy is strong, and he's he's. I think it's good. I think it was brilliant the second uh, when you went to Gary and. Um, and were her, and you just flip them. Kristen Wiig's brilliant. I, th- I love that. I think she'd be perfect in that role. I think I can absolutely see her as like kind of the goofy, um, you know, if she now is like the boom mic operator to the one that sort of falls under Sarone's spell, and then eventually now is kind of one of the henchmen. I can definitely see her her take that role. She's got a um, the performance ability to do that. So that, that gets a footstep. And Channing Tatum. That's this perfect as well. Can you imagine him doing his push-ups on the boat? You know, what I mean, with no shirt on, like it would just be perfect, right? And it would be comedic, and it would, and he yeah. can sing a little bit. And he's know, done comedy. Mike. Yeah, he's done comedy, and he's like, I think you know he is, I think liked around Hollywood, and I think in a recast of a musical of like a snake movie, I just think it would it would work. He would be the kind of thing that guy would be down with, and I think he would just, you know, be tongue in cheek with it. But I, I think it's a great one. I like that one. I'm gonna give you that one. The Michael Sarah, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I'm not. I'm not seeing Michael Sarah. I see him. I see Sarah. Like I, I see what you mean. Where his comedy might um, 
might might relate to and reflect the spirit of Westridge, but to me, he's a bit too young and he lacks a little bit of just the presence of, of Westridge. You know, I don't know how tall Sarah is, but there is one thing with Westridge when he's having his, his, um, his champagne and his, his, he's talking the way he does and he's got his hat and he's carrying his golf clubs. Like, I feel like it just needs somebody who just going to do that naturally, not just in a skit, like, like, like somebody playing that role. So it needs to be a little bit more authentic. Uh, so for me, Sarah, I like that you were. I like that you were brave with that selection, but for me, that's got to be a pass. Ed Sheeran, honestly, Rob, of all the, all the people that you could have cast in for Kale, Ed Sheeran <laughs> is fucking the last person I would have guessed. You could have given me six hundred thousand chances to guess who you would. I never would have guessed Ed Sheeran, and I, I, I have a. You know, I just, I think it's because I have kids and, you know, there's that song on Sesame Street. That we live in two different worlds. We live in two different worlds. Oh, yeah. It's like, I can't get it out of my head, divorce. right? divorce. What, that song on Sesame Street? Yeah, it's about it's about a, a divorced family. Like the kid lives oh, in two sh- different homes. Oh, fuck. No, I didn't. Oh, now I'm so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to say it's okay. You got two different homes. It's just a different situation. Yeah. Yeah, of course it's okay. It just, I didn't, I thought it was about something else, but anyways, <laughs> I, I'm melody over lyrics See? anyways, right? I, Aaron and I were talking about something where she asked me, are you melody or are you lyrics? Listen, as a musician, my whole life, like I fucking can't remember the lyrics to my own songs that I wrote. And I, but I can remember every note, every melody, every motive, every step, every skip. So anyways, so Ed Sheeran for me is honestly, Rob, you're my podcast co-host. I love you, but that's a, that's a total fucking miss for me. Uh, now, I Cardi B, I think he can carry it. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be perfect in that role. Because you you're, also you're, you also want him to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want him to die. Yeah, maybe you know what? But he that's does the it. One, he comes back at the end. That's the one thing. Ed Sheeran would only be in the movie for fifteen minutes. That's what I'm so, saying. Okay, so your next two, I love. I think Cardi B would be perfect as Terry Flores in an updated. uh, comedic musical but still take i think she'd be perfect i think that's a fantastic selection and her um sort of you know the face-off between her and jack black two different musical styles i think both respected in the musical world both with some acting chops both being able to to carry the movie and i it would be you know one thing if if any if anything this exercise has has kind of um brought to light and I, and I just asked myself the question, you know, what would be the chemistry between these characters now, right? What might be the chemistry between like a Kerry Washington and an Eric Roberts on screen? What might mm-hmm. be the chemistry between a Cardi B and a Jack Black? I definitely think yours is more f- more fun because they're, they are musicians. So, so do you, whenever I think of it, I, I choose scenes. So I was thinking of the scene when Cardi B is, or Terry is trying to seduce Paul Cerrone. It's been a long time. Since I had a woman. Put this pussy right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a giggle. What is inside? Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. This pussy is wet. Come take a dive. <laughs> and so I'm imagining that scene and it, it would be fucking hilarious. Because exactly. also you have to play it to the actress. So like Cardi B, you know, singer of WAP, 
would probably it would be so much more explicit. It would be so much funnier that she's like just throwing her pussy at him. I know. And then Jack Black is trying to like hold back. Like it's been a long time since I've been with a woman. Oh my god! Yeah, and you could. Yeah, I could. It would be good. It would be really good, and just very different coming from. Yeah, it would be. It would be great. So I'm gonna give you two footsteps there. So let me count them up. So I got one, two, three, four. Five, six. Oh, so we're even. So no, well, hold on. So I'm giving you six out of nine footsteps. And you only gave me five out of nine footsteps. But I'm going to give you a toe here. I'm going to I'm gonna give you the win, Rob. <laughs> I'm going to give you six footsteps and a toe for the sheer creativity and originality to rework the premise of the actual movie. To, to work it as a musical and to work it as a comedy where I took a contemporary approach. So I thought that was, I thought that was good. So the only thing I didn't think about Jamie, and if it is a musical, if it is, if it is going to be more of a humoristic, a humorous movie, should we cast the snake as a person? Like should the person, should there be a voice or like a, uh, you know, a sort of like identity to the snake? If it were you, you talked about this earlier on, like at the beginning, like maybe this is actually a stage production. If it's a stage production, then I think you could actually catch cast the snake as like, that's the villain, right? It's the Mozart opera, you know what I mean? Or you could cast like that, like in that where there'd be actually a speaking role and you could cast the snake for sure. You know, the interesting thing would be if you, if you, if you had it a musical, but like in a contemporary style, musicals are often accompanied with dancing numbers right mm-hmm. so i'm like i think the snake could stay as it as it was my only question is would would you need to expand like the this the setting and like how the how the movie was actually filmed because you couldn't really do all the scenes on the boat like it, more of it would have to be on shore what i which i think if you were going to have like that dance i don't know did you I don't know. I think you make the whole stage is the boat. So you can, you get the whole range of the boat uh, stage to work with. So, yeah, I mean, it all depends on how they do that, but uh, yeah, I know what you mean. You need to, you need to have a dance number in there for sure. I think there's a lot of people in here that can support that. That's good. And for the, for the voice though, I I did imagine if we did want to go, maybe it's a bit cartoony, but Mark Hamill as the voice of the snake would be hilarious. Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Mark (laughs) Hamill, who is Luke Skywalker is the voice of the Joker in the cartoons and uh, actually, they just launched a new He-Man cartoon on Netflix, and he's the voice of Skeletor. So he actually has a lot of voice acting chops. And he oh, really? Always plays. You don't want like a James Earl Jones? Oh, you want like a deep voice? <laughs> oh man, I didn't think of that. Like maybe the snake. Shh, the snake I... is hard. Um, you know, like I, that's my. That's like the worst fucking James Earl Jones ever. But you know what I mean? I was trying to think. What does a snake even say? But yeah. Yeah, I don't like. I exactly. What do you like? What do you snake? <laughs> what do you what, what does the snake say i don't know anyways i think i think we have exhausted the anaconda recast i think have we exhausted the, the movie do we have could we come back and do another pod the only way we listen this is going on for the patrons all right and i'm not sure how much more anaconda fe- how much more anaconda material is going to make it onto the main feed we've spoken at length of the film i think you'd agree if one of if one of the fans wants to fans if one of the listeners wants to you know want some more uh content on anaconda then what we can do is you can request it and we can do it and then we can shout you out at the top of the episode how's that so we can that would be a little cool thing to do for the for the the listeners uh on patreon yeah 
And if there's Are, another Anaconda straight to DVD movie, me and Jamie would love to star in it and get murdered by the snake. Maybe early <laughs> in the movie, first ten five. I want to direct the. I want to direct, direct the two thousand. Yeah, it comes out. Eh? It's like really the podcast is a way to just you know propel my directing career. But no, I want to. I'd love to like re reboot the whole franchise. Well, I think that's what is planned. They are working on a some sort of re reboot or revamp of it. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Anyways, Rob, this has been fun. We we were on this for a while. We talked about doing this recast for like I don't know, like two months, and we finally got a chance to do it. I loved your thought and your thinking and the creativity you brought to the process. So thanks, buddy. Uh, fantastic work, man. You too. Good, good, good casting. I think overall, it definitely would be a, some interesting uh, an interesting film. Perfect. Well, listen, thank you to everybody that uh, is listening to this, because if you listen, if, if you are listening to this, then you are supporting Running Scared and we'll make it a priority to get out more content to you as soon as possible. So from myself, Jamie Roberts and Robert Lendrum, thank you uh, for listening to the Running Scared podcast. Check out. Saron. More Saron. I was born to leave the church. My life in the hands of God. But something inside of me brought me to this hellish Amazon. I didn't fail. Who says, says I fail? I, failed. I didn't fail. I answered a different call. The piss of a mighty snake comes six to be long. It snakes up through this big. Peace cannot be taken. No matter how I try, it can't be dragged or chained. The serpent lives inside. I haven't been with a woman. Long time. In such a long time Since I had a woman But I'm not stupid She never Fuck a face as gross as mine I think I'm stupid The snake is all I crave She coils me In a lover's embrace I hear my bones crack She eats me And then regurgitates The beast cannot be tamed No matter how hard I try It can't be trapped or chained The serpent lives inside Dr. Kale got in my way So I put a wasp in his Vampire thinks he's on my side But he's just another appetizer Maybe my tried to kill me I snapped her neck Boy, that surprised her Jane will fix her hair And I'll just stare And tantalize her A strike Wrap around you Hold you tighter than your true love And you get the privilege Of hearing your bones break Before the power of the embrace causes your veins to explode. Peace cannot be tamed, no matter how I try. It can't be surrounded or chained. The serpent lives inside.